Amen. We thank the Lord for a time of giving, and we are now going to spend time in the Word of the Lord this morning. If uh, you have your Bible, I encourage you to just say this after me. This is God's Word. God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. Uh, it's a joy for me to share the Word of the Lord with you now, and I have preached many times on Pentecost Sunday over the years. And I felt that for today, I didn't want to look at any of my previous notes that I've shared in different sermons in the years. I've wanted just to prepare a completely fresh message for Pentecost. The title of the message this morning is Experiencing Pentecost Now. Experiencing Pentecost Now. Maybe you're taking notes and you can jot that down. And uh, please track with me because I believe that you will find today's message um, to be uh, informative but transformative as well. And so experiencing Pentecost now, that's the title of the message. You can turn so long to Acts chapter two. We'll get there in a few moments time. So as I said earlier in the service, today is Pentecost Sunday. And this is a significant event in the church's annual calendar, the body of Christ around the world acknowledges and recognizes Pentecost Sunday. And what is it all about? In essence, very simply put, it's about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the people of God. That's what it's about in a nutshell. But there is a lot more that needs to be said about it. But we're celebrating today the glorious outpouring of the Spirit of God on those 120 disciples on that day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. And it was then that God poured His Spirit upon the disciples and the church was birthed with great power. Let me say this to you, that God never intended His church to operate without His power. No, not at all. God wants his church to be a demonstration of who he is. He is an almighty God. He is a powerful God. And God wants the church to demonstrate who he is. God wants to reveal, the scripture says, his manifold wisdom through the church. And you, the moment you become washed by the blood of Jesus, you become part of the church. And so the church of Pentecost was birthed in power. But today, we are still meant to be operating in the power of God. Many religious organizations that call themselves churches, they have a, a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. We do not want to deny the power of the Spirit of God. We want His Spirit to flow. Amen. So, we're going to read a fairly long passage of Scripture it is 21 verses, and let me say, I don't apologize for reading longer passages of Scripture in church. It's actually the very thing we should be doing. And also, people who are hungry for God, they love the reading of His Word. So, Acts chapter 2, we're starting in verse 1 and going up to verse 21, the New Living Translation I'm reading from. It says, on the day of Pentecost, so finally, that day came. On the day of Pentecost, 
all the believers were meeting together in one place, but then everything changed. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty wind storm. There was the sound, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked to be like flames or tongues of fire appeared. Can you imagine this? And settled on each one of them. Remember John said that the one that is coming after you, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And right here, it's busy happening in Acts chapter two. Those 120 believers, the first of many, were being baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. The sound of wind, the flames that appeared and settled upon each of them. And here it says in verse four, and everyone present was, listen to this, filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanna ask you today, are you a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit? And they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. You see, the Jews that were scattered abroad in other nations, which had come through certain invasions in earlier years, these Jews were spread abroad in surrounding nations. And do you know that, I think it was three times a year, the Jewish people would come and travel up to Jerusalem and they would attend certain feasts that would take place. And so this was one of those occasions. Jerusalem was buzzing. It was filled with lots of people. And so then there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Now listen to this. When they heard the loud noise, these are people in the community. These are people not close to the upper room. A lot of people in the broader community, they even heard the sound. They heard this loud noise. Everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they explained. If you were there, you would have probably said the same thing. What is going on here? These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, and then there's a list of about 16 different nations. I'm not gonna mention them all, but then jumping through to verse 11. Here we all are, and we hear all of these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward. It would almost seem like Peter got irritated when he, when he heard these people saying they drunk. They said, no, 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 I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna speak. Peter stepped forward with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you are seeing was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel 
And here he goes to quote that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This is Pentecost. God pouring out his spirit upon all people. And then it's like the communication lines go open because your sons and daughters prophesy. Your old men will see visions. Uh, sorry, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on all my servants, men and women alike. They will prophesy. And then I will cause wonders in the heaven above and in signs in the earth below. This is speaking about even later on now in the last days, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But, ending off with this verse, verse 21, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And can we just say, amen. The Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Let me tell you, this is the story of Pentecost coming and taking place. So essentially, you've got these disciples, they're in the upper room. And they had seen the resurrected Jesus Christ 50 days before he was resurrected. And he began to appear over many days. And then 40 days, at 40 days after the Passover, Jesus ascended into heaven. But before he did, he said, wait in Jerusalem. Because not many days from now, it would turn out to be 10 days. Not many days from now, you will receive the promise of the Father. And so they waited in Jerusalem. And so from the ascension until the day of Pentecost was about 10 days. Now, they had been spending these 10 days, the Bible says, in prayer and supplication, meeting together. There was a tremendous unity, a tremendous oneness of heart. And one day, while they're busy having this prayer meeting, suddenly everything changed and changes and God steps down into history in an amazing way and the sound of a mighty violent wind is heard. So much so, the surrounding community hears it. It fills the whole room, and suddenly they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Also, tongues of fire. I've never been in a church meeting where I've seen literal tongues of fire, but boy, oh boy, this sounds like an exciting one to have been in. And this tongues of fire rest upon their head, and suddenly they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Why the wind? Why the fire? They are symbols of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was coming and indwelling the hearts of men and women. In that moment, do you know that the flame shifted off of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant and it came to rest upon the new temples? Because you and I, don't you know, that you are temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, glorify God in your body, the scripture says. And so then, after the wind, after the flames, this language just begins to bubble out of them. And they start speaking in languages that are known in the broader region. And they start witnessing and testifying. And some people don't understand what's going on. Many don't. But Peter says, this is just the fulfillment of prophecy. And so what an amazing experience took place. And I pray that 
the whole Pentecost story is maybe just that little bit more alive for you today. There are three points I wanna share based on this passage of scripture. Number one, a deeper understanding of Pentecost. A deeper understanding of Pentecost. I would submit to you that perhaps many of us have a little bit of a shallow understanding of Pentecost and by God's grace, I'm hoping just to take that a bit deeper. So, what does the word Pentecost mean? It's quite an unusual word, Pentecost. Well, the first part, pente, is a Greek word for five. Pente means five. And uh, if you think of the Pentagon, that uh, military building in the States, it is a five-sided building. That's why it's called the Pentagon. But pente, the Greek word for five. And then coste is a suffix that indicates times 10. So when you say the day of Pentecost, effectively, it's the day of five times 10. And Pentecost, therefore, in its essence, means 50th. Would you say the word 50th? That's what it means. Pentecost means 50th because it occurred on the 50th day after Resurrection Sunday, after Passover or Easter, as some of us call it. And it specifically refers to the Feast of Pentecost. Now, I was thinking about the Feast of Pentecost and, and realizing this, it did not start in Acts chapter two. Do you know the Feast of Pentecost started way before that? What is the Feast of Pentecost? It is a feast that commemorated the giving of the law, the 10 commandments that were given in the Old Testament. And we know through scripture that Moses received the law from God. It was on Mount Sinai. And do you know that that took place exactly 50 days after their exodus out of Egypt? Exactly 50 days later, it took place. And so their Passover happened in Egypt and they were set free on one particular night and then 50 days later, here they were at Mount Sinai where God is giving the law to Moses and this is where uh, it was instituted. And so today still, the Feast of Pentecost takes place 50 days after Passover. Now, what's also interesting is the Feast of Pentecost is also referred to as the Feast of Weeks because it occurs seven weeks after the Passover. And by the way, there's a picture of completeness in there because seven speaks of completeness and seven periods of seven, 49 days plus one uh, after the Passover brings us to the day of Pentecost. But can I take you to the specific verse where the Passover is instituted by God at Mount Sinai? Listen to it. So a short verse. Exodus 34, verse 22. God says, you shall observe the feast of weeks. That's the feast of Pentecost. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the fruit, first fruits of the wheat harvest. Just take note of that word harvest. And so what's happening is at Mount Sinai, Right there in one sentence, God initiates a feast. 
And he instructs the people that they need to observe this Feast of Weeks, this Feast of Pentecost, annually. And this was in addition to two other feasts that they would celebrate. So there was pretty much three major feasts. The Feast of Passover. Then it was about, yeah, 50 days later, the Feast of Pentecost. And if I understand it correctly, about four months later would come the Feast of Tabernacles. But here at Mount Sinai, God says, there's gonna be a feast of weeks and you will observe it every year. Also, uh, let's look at one more reference to Pentecost in the Old Testament. And it's Leviticus 23, verse 15 to 16. It says here, God said, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, you shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. So in other words, seven weeks plus one. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain. Take note, new grain to the Lord. And so I thought it was just interesting to, for once, maybe take a look at Pentecost, still in the Old Testament, instituted right there at Mount Sinai when the law was given. Just an interesting comparison as I was preparing to minister the word of the Lord today. Something quite interesting is that it is noted that Moses went up to Mount Sinai and then the law was given. And in the same way, Jesus went up to heaven and then the Holy Spirit was given. Coincidence? I think not. I've discovered God works in incredible ways, in amazing ways. Now, here's the big question that I was asking myself. Why did God choose the Feast of Pentecost as the big moment to pour out His Spirit? Why then? Why then? Because God, He does nothing by chance. He does things highly intentionally. Why did He choose the Feast of Pentecost as the moment to release the Spirit of God? And I believe the answer is because it is a harvest festival. It is a time to thank God for the beginning of the wheat harvest. Would you say the word harvest? And so the first fruits of the wheat harvest at Pentecost, they were brought and they were offered to God at this time together with other offerings as well. But you know what? Can you see the significance of all of this? God was saying that it is harvest time. That's what he was saying. It is harvest time. And way before on um, Mount Sinai, he set up this feast, which was a feast associated with harvest. And basically, God was declaring, it is harvest time. And that is why, dear friend, 3,000 people were added to the church on that day because God was confirming his words with signs following. 3,000 people got added to the church on that day. What a confirmation 
that this is a harvest festival, that God was saying that this is the beginning of the harvest, the first fruits of the harvest, these 3,000 people. But you know what? Ultimately, there is gonna be this harvest extending across the face of the world and millions and millions and billions of people will be harvested into the kingdom of God. And so I share this this morning with you uh, with great joy. And so God was saying it's harvest time. Immediately, 3,000 souls were added on the day of Pentecost because it was a confirmation of harvest time. And you know that a further 2,000 were added shortly thereafter in Acts chapter four. So there were 3,000 at first, and then there were 2,000, and that doesn't include, uh, that's just the men that was uh, specifically referenced there. And so evidently, the population in Jerusalem at that time would have been about 55,000 people. So it would seem that roughly 10% of Jerusalem came to Christ and were saved at that point in time. So what is happening? God is confirming his word with signs following. He's confirming that this is a time of harvest. He poured out the Holy Spirit at a harvest festival. The harvest began to come in right away. But the good news is, child of God, it is still harvest time today. Hear that? It is still harvest time today. Point number two. So that was point number one, a deeper understanding of Pentecost. Point number two, Pentecost empowers you to bring in the harvest. And please don't think about somebody else next to you. I'm talking to you specifically. Many times we, we don't realize that God wants to use us. He does. He wants you to make yourself available. So point number two, Pentecost empowers you to bring in the harvest. In Acts 1 verse 8, where Jesus was speaking just before he ascended into heaven, he said this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Would you please say witnesses? You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The two key phrases that stand out for me here is the phrases, receive power, be witnesses. Jesus was saying you would receive power at Pentecost and you would be witnesses. What does it mean to really be a witness? I've discovered that people are sometimes Christians, are a little scared of this word witness. They think that, I don't know, somehow you've got to you know, study theology and, and you know, get a diploma in theology before you can start to, you know what? It's just about telling other people about Jesus, making him known, spreading his fame abroad. And then just to jump back to Acts chapter two, verse 11, it says here, the people were commenting on them, hearing them talking in these tongues. It says, we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about, listen to this, the wonderful things God has done. What were those 120 talking about? What God is doing and what God has done. And so you can just tell people about Jesus. And you can just say, well, I don't know everything theologically, but I know that I received Jesus 
and that he brought the peace and the love of God into my life. I know he set me free from many things and I have the peace of God in my heart. Just tell people what God has done. You don't have to get into theological debates. Please don't do that. Actually avoid doing that. But just be a witness by telling what God has done. And this is what they were doing right now. And do you realize that these disciples, the 120, they were actually not speaking about sin. They were not speaking about judgment. They were not speaking about repentance. I believe that there are times where you must speak about those things. But here, they were just talking about the goodness of the Lord. Now, I wanna tell you this, child of God, you do not need to be a witness in your own strength. You will not succeed, you will dismally, dismally fail. But let me tell you this, that you minister and speak to others and you tell others of what God has done in your life under the supernatural power of God. And that's why Jesus said that they had to get the power first and then that they would be witnesses. And some of us, I believe, have been trying to be a witness or an influence or an example to others in our own strength. But I wanna tell you, your own strength will produce nothing. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. But when you are dependent on the fact that God is living within you and you talk to somebody over a cup of coffee and you just talk a little bit about the Lord Jesus, I wanna tell you, it's not just in the natural. The power of God accompanies your words. And it also says, in uh, Acts chapter two and verse three. It says, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Can I ask you, what appeared and settled on each of them? It says here, flames or specifically tongues of fire. I thought to myself, why, why tongues of fire? Why specifically that word? And I believe it is because God is saying, listen, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I will cause your tongue to burn with the fire and the power of God, and I will cause you to be a highly effective influence for me because I actually set your tongue ablaze. I really believe that, that God wants to set your mouth ablaze and that when you open it, it is not in your own strength and power. What's also interesting is in Acts chapter two, we see this wonderful harvest. It's a harvest festival, and 3,000 were added to the church on that same day. And let me tell you, do you know that they also got baptized? 3,000 people got baptized on the day of Pentecost. And uh, maybe that's why it's good that the meeting started early in the morning because Peter said it's only nine o'clock in the morning and all of this is taking place. They had a long day ahead of them. I don't know how on earth you baptize 3,000 people. I don't know. Our church in its totality is 3,500 people, excluding kids. But boy, oh boy, it would have been a glorious day. I can imagine that they went right over lunchtime into the afternoon, into the early evening, and people were being baptized. But one of the questions is, why did they so readily respond? Why were they so quick to respond and also get baptized as well and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? 
I believe it's because the fields are ready for harvest, white unto harvest. Jesus had said earlier in John 4 verse 35, he said, do not say there will be four months and then the harvest comes. Behold, I, the Son of God, say to you, lift up your eyes and look unto the hills, for they are already white unto harvest. And so I believe that God was just showing that people are ready to come to Jesus Christ. I know that there are many people as well that are stuck in their ways and they don't wanna soften their hearts to God, but I wanna tell you, according to Scripture, the fields are ready for harvest and Pentecost empowers you to influence those around about you to bring in the harvest. Another question is this. Why did the 120 begin speaking in earthly languages, foreign languages? Have you ever wondered about that? I mean, why didn't they just immediately begin to speak in heavenly tongues? Because can you imagine these Galileans, they are speaking in a variety of foreign languages. And can you imagine Arabs because it says there were Arabs who heard them talking in their own language. There were also Egyptians, Asians, Libyans, Cretans, hearing in their own languages. There were Romans that were hearing these disciples speaking in perfect Latin. Incredible. Now, there must be some deeper reason in this, and I believe the reason is the following. It is significant. Listen to what one theologian says. The gathering of the nations there in Jerusalem, was a perfect platform for the launching of the worldwide mission of the church. This event told the Jerusalem church that God intended the gospel for all of the nations in their own languages. Because don't forget, these Jewish people that were in the upper room, they were basically Jews or maybe some were converts to Judaism, they were very much thinking this is just for them. And now God is showing, no, 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 it's not just for you, it's for the entire world. And he puts foreign languages. Suddenly the one guy's talking Egyptian. Suddenly the other guy's talking Cretan. The other guy's talking Latin. The other guy's talking in Arabic or something like this. And these people are hearing the Galileans talking in their own language because God was saying it's harvest time and this is gonna go into all of the nations of the world and the gospel will be preached unto every nation and then only the end will come. And so I found this exciting and God made that Jerusalem church realize don't keep this to yourself. And I wanna tell you, don't keep Jesus to yourself. Don't keep the baptism of the Holy Spirit to yourself. It's meant to go far and wide. And also, another reason why I believe that all these nations were hearing the wonderful things of God is because it was a preview of heaven when every nation, tribe, and tongue will worship the Lamb of God. Come on, child of God. Every nation, tribe, and tongue will worship the Lamb and so I wanna tell you, the Holy Spirit and Pentecost is for everyone. And it would also seem that many of the people that then got saved of those 3,000 and later on another 2,000 that were added shortly after, they then would have returned to their homelands and they would have told people and they would have gotten people saved. 
That's why when some of the apostles later on went to other regions, they discovered churches already because the people had already gone from the day of Pentecost. Oh, we're getting others saved. And so to recap point number two, Pentecost empowers you to bring in the harvest. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, on to point number three, which is a shorter point. Number three, don't just talk about Pentecost. Make sure that you receive it. Child of God, would you please let this sink in? Don't just talk about it. Make sure you receive it. And in our passage today, Acts 2 verse 4 says, and they were all filled, please say that word, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. By the way, initially it was in these languages, but it seems that that was the only time in Scripture that they spoke in these foreign languages. Thereafter, they began to speak in heavenly unknown tongues. But in terms of this and being filled with the Spirit, and as you hear in today about the day of Pentecost, what does it help to marvel at a miraculous historic event of Pentecost but not get it for yourself? What does that help? It doesn't help at all. Many religious Christians, they talk about Pentecost and they admire the story. They admire the miraculous event and they think, wow, that must have been incredible. But sadly, they stop short of getting it and they don't go on to receive the Holy Spirit. And that is one of the problems in the world today. Too many churches without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My dad was running a church for three or four years from 1963, and he could not get the church to grow and have the life of God. But then he opened up to the fullness and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and everything changed. The church went from building to building to building, growing in leaps and bounds. By the time he passed away, it was the second largest church in South Africa. Why? Because he had discovered you cannot just hear about Pentecost, but you need to realize and believe it is for now, and you need to take it and make it your own. You need to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And so this story of Pentecost is not meant to just get you all comfortable. It's really meant to shake your bones. It's meant to get you moving. It's meant to stir such a godly hunger within you that you begin to cry out to God and say, God, I must have the baptism, the outpouring of the Spirit. Now, I cannot wait any longer. It should cause a shaking of you. And those bones beginning to come to life and God's spirit beginning to work in an amazing way. Now, in that upper room, there were 120 believers. That means, as I understand it, there were the 12 disciples, there were the 11, and uh, Judas was replaced by Matthias. So there were the 12 disciples and 108 others. And do you know what the wonderful thing is? Every one of them received the Holy Spirit. A flame of fire went to rest on every single one of them because once again, I say to you, the Holy Spirit is for every child of God. And so afterwards, do you know what? These people, these 120, they had no doubt that they had received it. <laughs> they had no doubt they had received the baptism of the Spirit of God and you too can know for sure that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm moving to one last scripture that I wanna read and, and comment on. 
And I believe that this is an important scripture to speak about also on the day of Pentecost. John 7, verse 37 to 39. On that day, sorry, on the last day, that great day of the feast, I understand that this was actually the feast of tabernacles now that the Lord was speaking at, Jesus stood and cried out. And I just wanna say, when it says he stood and cried out, I believe that talks of like an appealing to people, a calling out to them to respond, see the passion. He stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, and I'm saying this to you today, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Some people say, they read the scripture and they say, no, this is just Jesus speaking about the water of life. No, 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 it's not. This is Jesus foretelling of Pentecost. And kind of he's crying out that, guys, when it comes to Pentecost, you must receive the fullness of the Spirit. And so as I see it, there are four keys in this passage. There are four keys to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And these are the four keys. Number one, thirst. Number two, come. Number three, drink. And number four, believe. And I wanna tell you, if there's a hunger in your heart today to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit, this is all you need to do. Obviously, you need to have first given your life to Jesus Christ and made him the Lord of your life. But I believe that so many people have. And so what I'm telling you today is you must first thirst. This is a precondition. And so I ask you today, and I'll ask just a couple of people here in the auditorium, are you thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Because you have to be thirsty, number one. Number two, then you have to come to God. And then after coming, you have to drink in of the Spirit, and then you have to believe that you receive it. In the same way that you pray a prayer of salvation, and you believe that you receive that gift of salvation, you believe that you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So those are the four keys. Thirst, come, drink, believe, and then the results are that rivers of living water will begin to flow in you and through you and out of you, and you will experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit because that is what we're talking about on Pentecost. Acts chapter two, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanna tell you my passion in my heart today is that people get hungry, thirsty, that they come, that they drink, that they believe, and that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to end off with a few moments of prayer. I don't know if it's possible for the keyboard to still play at this point in time. I am specifically praying for people, listen to me carefully. I'm praying for people, get that camera one close up on me, please. I am praying for you to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
Yes, it's wonderful if we can physically lay hands on you, but the good news is the Holy Spirit is omnipresent and He can baptize you right now. Jesus can baptize you in the Holy Spirit right now. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer declaring an impartation of the Spirit of God to you. This is for people who've given their lives to the Lord Jesus. And so would you just sensitize your spirit right now? Just become sensitive to the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, I just wanna thank you for your presence here. <laughs> I thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Let the glory of the Lord just intensify even in this moment right now. Thank you for the anointing of the Lord. Now, Lord, I wanna pray for every hungry heart. And as I reach out my hands to pray for people, for the fullness, the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I pray this prayer now. Father, thank you. We come before you and we declare, oh God, that we are thirsty. Say that, I am thirsty. We make that declaration. Now make this declaration. I come to you. Thank you, Lord, right now that we come to you. And right now, make this declaration. I drink of your spirit. And now you see yourself in your mind's eye drinking a beautiful glass of water the water of heaven right now. Now you just drink, and you drink, and you drink, and you drink, and you just receive everything that the Spirit of God is doing right now. And now you take the next step, and you believe that you have received the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, as I extend my hands, I declare the impartation of the Spirit of God onto every hungry heart. I declare the baptism, I declare the filling, the infilling is your portion, it is yours, you take it and you receive it in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to ask you to take a little bit of guts and begin to open your mouth and just begin to say hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now you just begin to let the Lord bring that heavenly language. Now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You just begin to pray. Now, begin to move beyond the hallelujah. The hallelujah is just the start. And you just begin to let just a few syllables just begin to come out of your mouth. This is the way it begins. Your tongue doesn't have to sound like mine. It can probably sound completely different. But you receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I believe it and I declare it by faith in Jesus' name. So Father, thank you now that they will begin to speak in these tongues. I also pray that prophecy would begin to be what is theirs, that they would begin to tell of the goodness of the Lord, but also they would begin to prophesy of what God is going to do in this nation, in their families. I pray that visions would begin to become the order of the day. 
I pray that dreams would begin to happen and that you'd begin to speak because we thank you that now that the fullness comes, there's a, a greater reality of being alive to God with the full power and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so we say thank you, Lord, for many people, I believe, that have now been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I just wanna end off by saying, Abba, Father, precious Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When God gives you the gift of His Spirit, the right response is to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. So we thank you, Lord, that this has been a glorious Pentecost Sunday. And now I bless your people in Jesus' name. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance. He smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.